Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this presentation of the half-year FY22 results from IDOX. So without further ado, if I uh, can introduce Anoop. Anoop has joined us as CFO, replacing Rob Grubb, who's moved on to head up our M&A activities. So Anoop, I, uh, great news. First, first set of results with IDOC. Yeah, so absolutely. First, first set of results, nearly four months since. So delighted to be here. Um, and really, it was, it's been, uh, as it was described before I joined, so really excited about the future, the opportunities that the group has, and uh, particularly around you know, the M&A sort of strategy going forward. So uh, really looking forward over the next period to uh, make a difference and take the business to the next level. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's been great having Anoop on board and using his experience uh, over the last few months. Um, so today, what I'd like to do is take you through the agenda, which you can see on the screen. So we'll look at uh, the highlights of our first half year. Anoop will take us through the financial review. I'll come back on to talk about strategy and operations and, and what we're going to do around buy and build and ESG. And we'll conclude with um, giving you our thoughts on Outlook. So as you know, IDOX is a business where we are an unashamed software business providing software applications that help organizations deal with complex legislative and regulatory environments. And our software is used by professionals right across the public sector and other regulated industries. Today, we have over 90% of UK local authorities as clients for one or more of our products. We've got over 1,200 customers and 500 employees with offices in the UK, Europe and India. And our continuing revenues are around 70 million for this year and adjusted EBITDA margin of over 30%. And I know that's a familiar story to many. Uh, what we'll do over the next few slides is just draw out a few of the uh, highlights for the current half year. So I guess the first point to make around H1 of FY22 is that it's exactly as we expected it to be. We budgeted internally to have the 11 million first half and the 12 million EBITDA second half. So exactly uh, where we expect it to be. Uh, highlights would be our order intake during the first half of the year was around 40 million. That was up 15% from the same period in FY21. And we have a really good pipeline of opportunities underpinning our confidence in the business over the medium term. We have a number of obviously new contract wins and extensions uh, with uh, new and existing clients and the average tenure across both our public sector software business and REIM business were longer contract lengths. We saw double digit growth in revenue and profit in our public sector operation uh, buoyed by the FY21 acquisitions. We did have a slightly weaker performance in EIM. Some of that was planned activity as we had, unfortunately, a client go into administration last year and then we had the general economic uncertainties. But overall, as you know, EIM is around 11% of our total revenues of the business. And as I say, our public sector software business performed exactly as we'd expected. We continue to integrate the acquisition, the three acquisitions we made last year, and I'll talk about them a little bit more, but they are substantially completed to plan and are performing well in uh, the consolidated IDOX business. And we've seen during this period a continued upscaling of our operations in India. We've developed a center of excellence out in Pune, 
And that's improving our efficiency and also increasing our agility and capability uh, right across the group. And as you'd expect, we're making good progress with our M&A pipeline. Rob is uh, fully immersed in that work now, and we've strengthened our pipeline of opportunities accordingly. We would hope that as all of these things are self-generated, we would have a couple of things that we can talk to you about in the second half of the year as we move forward. They're the H1 FY22 highlights. And I'll hand over to Anil, who's going to take us through uh, the numbers uh, and, the, and the financial highlights for H1. Great. Thanks, Dave. Um, so if I uh, just work through the, the headline numbers from a group perspective, and then I will drop down into the individual segments, putting out some key themes and observations for the period. So overall, it's been a very pleasing performance for the group for the period, which was in line with our expectations. We delivered revenues for £33.2 million, which was up 7% on the corresponding period last year. Of the £33.2 million, £19.8 million was generated from recurrent revenue, which is 13% up on the prior year. Recurrent revenues now account for 60% of the group's overall revenue, compared to 57% in the prior year, and have been strongly assisted by the group's acquisitions in FY21. And pleasingly, given the wider macro environment, our adjusted EBITDA is of 8% at £11 million. This has been driven by a combination of our M&A strategy, strong customer and sales base, and a focused and disciplined approach to cost management. And this positive contribution on EBITDA is flowing through to earnings per share, where we delivered an adjusted EPS for the period of 1.21 pence per share, which gains up 7% from 2021. We continue to focus on cash generation and strong cash management. And as a result, we have reduced our net debt by a further 54%, to £3.8 million from a starting position of £8.1 million at the beginning of the year. And this compares to net debt position of over £30 million at the end of 2018. This demonstrates the significant progress the company has made over the past four years in managing its debt levels and cash generation over this period. Stripping out the impact of the Maltese bond of approximately £11 million, the group ended the half with a net cash position of £7 million. And coupled with an RCF facility of £35 million, this means that the group has good balance sheet strength and resources to pursue its creative M&A strategy. Now, moving on to the breakout of the results in a bit more detail, uh, in line with our reporting segments, starting with our public sector software business. Now, as a reminder, our PSS business includes the majority of our product offerings and comprises our built environment products, so local authority planning, building control and public protection offerings including our cloud solution. It also includes the results of our FY21 acquisitions, Aligned Assets, Exegesis, and Thinkware. In addition, the segment also includes offerings in relation to transport, elections, health, and grants. We delivered revenues of £29.7 million for the period, which grew 10% on the prior year. The 2021 acquisitions delivered a full six months revenue for the period. When combined, these acquisitions delivered £3.2 million of revenue in the first half. And as a result, excluding the impact of the acquisitions, the like-for-like -like sales experienced a small reduction in the period, where increases in elections, healthcare and grants were offset by reductions in transportation and to a lesser degree, our built environment. Due to the phasing of a number of deliverables into the second half of the year, we expect the second half revenue to be higher than the first half. On the right-hand side of the slide, I have split out our revenue into recurring and non-recurring. 
Of the £29.7 million of PSS revenue, £16.9 million was generated from recurring revenue, representing 57% of our total revenue. And on a like-for-like -like basis, recurring revenues remain stable for the period, with increases in built environment offset by small reductions in elections, social care and healthcare. Non-recurring revenues were also up for the period at £12.8 million and benefited from increases in election work in the period. We ended the period with an order book for the services element of our business at £8 million, which was down from £11.6 million last year as we completed and progressed a number of contracts in our election and transport businesses. Our total order intake for the period was approximately £35 million, which was up £5 million on last year, and with a book-to-bill ratio of more than one for the period. The period saw a number of wins from new customers, including Rotherham Weldon, Dartmoor National Park Authority, and Belfast City Council. But just to leave it dark, increased by £1.3 million to £10.7 million. And whilst we continue to invest in our cost base, for example, investments in our M&A team, we remain disciplined and controlled in the way that we approach this. That, coupled with increased revenues and a change in mix, resulted in an improved adjusted EBITDA margin percentage of 36%. We continue to see market headwinds, largely due to uncertainty in the division's traditional oil and gas markets, the wider global economy, and also the war in Ukraine. Coupled with non-renewal of two contracts, EIM delivered a revenue of £3.6 million for the half down 0.5 million pounds on the prior period, and which was largely due to the reduction in non-recurring revenue. After allocation of corporate overheads of circa 1 million pounds, EIM delivered an adjusted EBITDA of 0.3 million pounds and a margin of 8.8%. Excluding the corporate cost allocations, this would equate to an adjusted EBITDA of 1.3 million pounds and a margin of 36%. Recurring revenues and the services element of the order book remained stable at £3 million and £0.9 million respectively. New orders in the EIM business were supported by significant new fusion live sales in the latter part of the half to customers including Loomis Technologies and Transalta. As a result, we expect the performance of EIM to be sought more second half weighted and looking at the income statement in more detail. Having commented on a number of the items already, the other areas I would briefly touch upon on this slide really include a slightly higher interest charge at 0.7 million, largely driven by lower foreign exchange gains on the Maltese bond. Um, the adjusted effective tax rate is in line with prior periods, circa 20%, and the difference between the statutory rate of 19% and the adjusted ETR of 20% is due to certain disallowables and the um, impact of overseas tax rates and certain losses not being recognised. The increased amortisation on intangibles in a period of £1.9 million is due to the impact of the acquisitions in the second half of FY21. The share options charge has increased to £1.3 million based on share-based payment accounting rules for both new and past awards. And finally, the loss of £0.6 million in discontinued operations is due to the finalisation of the accounting in connection with the disposal of the content business in 2021. Similarly, pulling out the key movements on the balance sheet, Fixed assets have moved by £20 million due to the goodwill and other intangible assets associated with the acquisitions of aligned assets exegesis of Pinkware. In addition, the group capitalised £3.2 million of development costs in the period, £0.7 million of which relates to the 2021 acquisitions. Outside of the acquisitions, as a business, we have a number of platforms which are all at different sort of stages of their life cycle. 
these platforms all need continued investment and remain operational and current. So, for example, we invest in technical refreshes, functional changes to say legislation changes, um, and also investment to ensure continued functionality. And therefore, there will always be an element of recurring capitalization as we go from one period to the next. Net deferred tax liabilities moved by £2.1 million to £4.1 million, largely due to the finalization on the 2021 account, uh, acquisition accounting. And current tax receivables relate to the utilization of tax relief in the period versus taxes actually paid. Net deferred income is stable at £20 million and is reflective of the nature and timing of our billing profiles during March and April. And finally, I highlight the constituent parts of our net debt balance, which if you exclude the 6pm bond, the group ended the half with a net cash position of £7.1 million. But as a reminder, the 6pm bond is due in 2025 and currently it is at a cost of a coupon of 5.1% interest. The group continues to generate good levels of cash and delivered an EBITDA cash conversion before tax of 122% compared to 169% in the prior period. The reduction in the conversion rates primarily due to the settlement of VAT deferrals from last year, exceptional cash costs in the half, and the timing of certain creditor payments falling into the second half of FY21, whereas they fell into the first half of FY22 this year. The group became a net taxpayer in the period with £2.3 million of outflows. This compared to a small inflow in 2021, as the group benefited from overpayments in 2020 and the utilisation of tax losses. Acquisition and disposal cash outflows of £1.8 million related to deferred payments in connection with the 2021 acquisitions. And the purchase of intangible assets of £3.2 million relates to the capitalisation of development costs, as discussed earlier. As a result, after paying the full year dividend of £1.8 million in April, the group ended the half with net debt of £3.8 million, as discussed earlier. And finally, moving on to our future guidance slide. So this is consistent with guidance we've previously communicated and our, reflects our view of the medium-term outlook for the business. From an organic point of view, we continue to believe that mid-single-digit growth is achievable in PSS, as clients and local government continue to look for efficient and effective solutions to their challenges. Likewise, in EIM, mid-single digit growth is our guidance as markets would be expected to recover over the medium term. And from an EBITDA margin point of view, we very much expect to continue the journey to a 35% margin business through a mix of efficiencies and acquisition of higher margin businesses. And in terms of cash generation, I, I continue to expect the business to generate good levels of cash against EBITDA, and over the medium term, I'd expect cash conversion rates to be closer to 100% of EBITDA. But finally, in respect of our dividend policy, we will keep sort of future levels of uh, dividend under review and consideration regarding our financial position and our confidence in the future. But again, I would expect the dividend to progress as we continue to grow the business. And just finally, in terms of the remainder of this year, we have good visibility of our pipeline and a good order book. The business continues to perform well under difficult circumstances, and overall, we are on track and in line with the board's expectation for the full year. At this point, I'll hand back to Dave, who will talk you through the remainder of the presentation. Thank you. Thanks, Anu. Um, so for those of you familiar with the IDOC story, you'll know that our success over the last four years has really been based around our four pillars and our water and fly approach. And the great news here is that that's remained consistent with us through the period. We still focus very heavily on our four pillars. They become a sounding block for all of our activities across IDOPS. 
and we have continued to deliver success. We're absolutely still on this journey where where we expect it to be at this half. And as we go into the second half, we're expecting that we will have a little bit more organic growth. We'll continue to build out on our M&A. We'll continue to deliver margin expansion. And as you saw, we've had some good successes in improving our margins, particularly around our public service operations, which are exactly where we expect to be. And of course, we'll continue to build out our cloud and SaaS penetration over that period on this journey to what we believe is you know, uh, an EV for this group in the foreseeable future around half a billion. We remain a little bit undervalued in relation to the near competitors in the market, I think. And so there, there remains uh, some strong upside, I think, from that perspective. On the cloud and SaaS penetration part, we continue to focus on that. We've seen some good successes in the year from our cloud business. We've taken eight new cloud contracts uh, during the first half of the year. Um, and you've mentioned Rother and, and Dartmoor and Belfast. We've also seen um, new wins at Thanet, Shropshire, New Forest, and also adding further modules to, to clients that we won last year, such as Coventry, where we added our public protection offering to, to a, a solution that was bought the previous year. So encouraging uh, as a, you know, encouraging signs that the strategy is really working in that area. And um, we hope that as we go forward, as, as we said before, we can see ourselves moving from 60% recurring revenue today, we're aiming to get to around 75% our EBITDA margins as a group, being around that 35% mark. So as we discussed, our four pillars uh, remain intact. They provided a great foundation on which to build our success. As I say, I think you know, just to pick out a few things that we've done this year on revenue expansion, our sales order intake has continued to rise. Key wins at Belfast. Uh, Transalta that, that Anoop mentioned earlier, and in our Lilly business, uh, Solutions for Health continuing to be the standard by which uh, sexual health clinics in the UK use software deployments to manage and monitor activity with their clients. Great success this year as well in delivering the electoral management systems for both the e-count in Malta and uh, the elections recently for the Scottish Assembly, which was done in conjunction with the Jitsu. And that was a really great program rolled out uh, by our staff who showed great diligence in doing that work. Our margin improvements continue. We mentioned our investments in IDOX India, but extending our footprint there to include, as well as our development activities, also functions around HR, finance, professional services, just giving us, as I said, further agility and ability to manage UK recruitment pressures as well, which is proven really useful. We continue to simplify our business and invest in the automation of our business. So in sales, we continue to stratify the work that we do there. Uh, we've invested more in our CRM operations, uh, not necessarily in a, in a monetary way, but certainly from an effort perspective in integrating uh, automated forecasting procedures and looking at the ways in which we can um, gain further insights to client buying patterns through the activities that we've logged now in Salesforce. And on communications, as ever, regular and open communications with all our colleagues across the business uh, through a number of channels, including our regular CEO broadcasts. And more interestingly, the work we've done around ESG has provided new ways in which we can communicate with our teams and engage them in creating a very sustainable IDOPS going forward. 
and I'll cover a little bit more of that um, in, in a couple of slides time. So as we go forward in our fly phase, as you know, we have both an organic focus and an inorganic focus. I think we've covered many of the items that are listed on the left-hand side here from our organic growth perspective. But as Anoop said, we're still expecting our business to grow mid-single digits in our key market areas between now and the end of the year. And in our buy and build activity, Rob's been uh, putting his shoulder behind the wheel and really driving forward our prospecting activity to ensure we have a really strong pipeline of opportunities and helping us to close in on one or two opportunities which we hope we can secure and move forward in the second half of the year. So as you know, we have made four acquisitions during my time here. The Tuscomi acquisition back in July 19 has proven to be very successful. When we began our journey with Tuscomi and our existing land and property business back in, in 2019, we had about 25 million of revenue that we were generating from that part of the business. Today, that's now over 30 million. And I think it just shows how when we focus on the things that we do incredibly well, um, how it's uh, we're able to take more share of client wallets just by providing them with things that improve their efficiency, both internally and in dealing with the public. Uh, and also opens up uh, near adjacent opportunities that we can see uh, act as good growth activities for us moving forward. And that really was behind the acquisition of Aligned Assets, Thinkware and Exegesis uh, last year. And in each of those areas, we're able to bring our selling capability, our focused marketing activity, more professional services capability around projects and disciplines around ins installations and making sure that projects get delivered on time. And obviously, a lot of group support around contracting, legal finance, HR, and so on. And that combination of things continues to work really well for the group. So with Aligned Assets and Thinkware, we're, we're pretty much all there now as integrated parts of our business. A little bit more work to do with Exegesis as we bring them into our CRM and finish off some of the final integration activities there. But very much now feel that they're part of the overall group and an integrated part of our whole. So very pleased with the progress to date. And I think they've held out to be um, great templates for the work that we'll do going forward in the second half of this year. So on our buy and build growth plans, as you know, we're targeting niche, well-respected software businesses where we find an opportunity to take a wider customer base uh, and or introduce them to a wider customer base with their product sets, but also provide our professional capabilities for their existing clients. That always proves to be a very lucrative addition every time we bring on a new organization. We have a very strong focus on our cloud-based GovTech and PlanTech businesses, augmenting existing strong market shares, recurring revenues and margins. That will continue to be a focus for us as we go forward, not just in the second half, but into future years. And as you know, um, you know, classically, this has been businesses with revenues of around three to five million. And uh, we're paying some valuations around five to ten times, depending on their market position, uh, the, the quality of their software platform and their future prospects. We have a very high degree of involvement now from the IOX executive team into new M&A. As I say, Rob's got his shoulder firmly behind the wheel. And I think overall, as we go forward, we're looking to help those businesses that we do acquire increase their EBITDA contribution 
between 50% and 100% in the sort of first 18 months to 36 months that we opened. So it's a very strong accretive model of M&A. And as I say, we're developing a really strong pipeline going forward for more opportunities to, to close in future periods. So just briefly to cover off the work that we've been doing with our teams on ESG, um, the first point I make is that we're, we're well out of the planning stage for ESG. You'll see in our, our latest reports and, and our previous financial year reports that we're now actually reporting on all of the TCFD frameworks and we're being very clear about the work that we're doing around our people, community, environment and our organisation uh, and categorising that into specific areas so that people can see manage and monitor our success in ESG as we go forward, looking to get to carbon neutrality in 2040. So the key things I'd really bring out here, as I say, is that we're actually reporting, we're making things happen. And rather than just report these annually, you'll see continued quarterly and half yearly updates around what we're doing, both in environmental protection and social responsibility on the website going forward. In terms of key activities during the first half, we've done more on our equality, inclusion and diversity activity. We've conducted a debt to be different survey uh, that received a fantastic response rate across the group. And it's been uh, enlightening for us to understand the diversity of the teams that we, we currently work with. And it's given people, I think, a really great opportunity to be confident that they can be their best person working here at IDOLS. So we continue to educate our teams and create conversations around diversity, around gender equality through a series of talks and conscious bias workshops. And we've also, I think more, most importantly, launched the Employee Lounge Initiative. So that is using uh, the people that have been through our Leading Together Leadership Program to run groups of 10 colleagues from different disciplines and different areas of the business. Uh, to connect on a monthly basis and build connection, inclusion, better communication. And I think what we found over a period is that uh, all the people working here at IDOCS feel that that's a very inclusive environment for them to be in and allows them to contribute um, and question the company in a, in, a, in, a, in a great environment with like-minded colleagues. And that's worked particularly well for us. <laughs> So if, if I sum up uh, very quickly, and then we'd be really happy to take any questions you may have. I think we've had a really strong performance during the first half of this year. I think considering the wider macro environment, I think we performed really well. Order intake's been strong, as you've seen. Our sales pipeline's positive. And most importantly, we're exactly where we expect it to be on our journey over the next you know, 36 months to building a great business. Business continues to perform well. Our integrations have worked as we expected. And FY22 outlook is absolutely in line with the board's expectations. Uh, and we see no reason at all to change our guidance as, as I alluded to earlier. So with that in mind, thank you for your time this morning. And if there are any questions that you have, we'd be delighted to take them. Thank you. Thank you, David. And we'll go to James Lockyer at Peel Hunt. Hi, thank you for taking my questions. Um, good to see you again. Um, three from me, please. Um, so you met comment, comment at the end that obviously you've managed to keep guidance, uh, sorry, expectation, you know, in line with expectations given the current climate. I was wondering if you could um, talk us through how you've managed to, um, you know, manage this current inflationary environment given the fact that I think, you know, 
expectations, your guidance would have been set maybe before uh, this this current uh, inflationary environment set in. Uh, and you know, and within that, can you talk about how your recruitment's gone and how you've managed to sort of try and manage any issues there? So that's question one. Secondly, um, on the on that on that, that great chart around uh, where, where you're getting to into the future. Um, 60% recurring revenue today. Um, I think the, the increase in that mainly from the acquisitions. But could you please step us through how you're going to get to the, the, the remaining 15% to get to that 75%? Is it only inorganic, um, or will you know some up and cross sell drive that? How should we think about the weighting of that 15% remaining? And then finally, on M&A, um, you flagged still. I think it's the same template there as, as previously, the five times to ten times multiple. If you could give us some color around. Uh, given the public market weakness, if you've seen any, you know, targets that are more amenable to the five times versus the ten times they might have been in the past, or is that not happening and therefore things are taking longer to close? Thanks, Jane. Great question and clearly very current. Um, I know everyone's mind at the moment regarding inflation. Um, I mean, just a bit of flavour around our cost base. I mean, sort of um, about 80 percent of our cost base is people. Um, and the remainder is sort of the, the licenses that we, we sort of sign up to when we're passing through customers. Um, and then you've got your normal you know, professional services and fees, you've got your building and rental costs and things like that. Um, and on, on the people side, I, we, you know, Dave's alluded to in some of the social responsibility work that we've been doing. We, we have been very, very focused on taking the team with us on, on, on the journey uh, regarding you know, the future that the business has. Uh, people work at IDOX because they want to work at IDOX. So, you know, they like the idea of working at IDOX and, you know, there's a very, very good spirit here. And that's my inviter experience over the past few months. Um, there is pressure around salary and wages, as you'd expect. Um, you know, we, we, we have tried to be sensible um, around what we are able to do uh, to the extent that we're able to pass on costs to customers then we would think about being able to, to manage that. But I think a lot of it is around sort of, you know, some of the leading and development work uh, that we've talked about. Um, and the other thing I would mention is that actually, uh, as uh, as we've needed more people in the organisation over the past six to twelve months, we have scaled up our Indian operations as well, um, and that's allowed us to to uh, experience more operational efficiencies. Um, whilst you know inflationary pressures and uh, talent issues uh, remain in India as well, uh, they do come at a slightly lower cost, and therefore we're able to uh, sort of utilise our UK resource uh, and add on to the Indian resource that we have as well. And I think for the other cost elements, you know, with things like sort of licenses and things like that, they're very much linked to the revenue stream, and therefore, you know, you, you you're able to sort of manage that side of it. Um, I think like sort of rents and utilities, you know, and that kind of stuff, it's all fairly sort of stable at the moment. And people coming back into the office, and um, it is it, still quite limited. And therefore, things like utilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, whilst we hear some huge headline uh, numbers in terms of big movements, uh, our experience around that area has been quite limited at the moment in terms of feeling any. Uh, significant cost rises. Yeah, I think they're all they're all great points. I mean, just to add to that, I'll come on to the, um, uh, the recurring income stuff. But yeah, you know, I would say that we, we we're trying to work really hard with our staff to find ways in which we can help um, offset some of their costs on an ongoing basis as well, uh, rather than just being pay increases, which are always challenging and difficult. We are trying to look at other things that we can do through our flexible benefits program to help offset other costs that they may have. Uh, and I think, you know, whilst, whilst some of those may be relatively small, I think people appreciate the fact that we're, tech, we're doing everything we can to help them with cost of living as, as it goes forward. 
Um, in terms of recruitment, I think we're about 20 heads up on the same period last year. So although, you know, there are challenges around people, we have increased our headcount. And as we came into this year, we had a view that about three quarters of our recruitment would be in scaling and, and building our operation out in Pune. So all of those things on a combined basis, I think, can help to offset some of the inflationary pressures that are there. In terms of uh, the future guidance or our future ambition in regards to recurring income and this movement between 60 and 75, um, I think it's both, James, it's both inorganic and organic. Um, you know, obviously the inorganic stuff has a, a, a key role to play in that. Um, you know, we, we know that as we can find high quality businesses, one of the, the key factors for us is the amount of recurring income that they show and their ability, their stickability, if you like, with clients and customers. Um, but we continue to work hard on the on-sell and upsell um, into our existing clients. And as we go forward, as we build, you know, um, better propositions or combined propositions with the acquisitions that we make, um, we see those things absolutely happening on an ARR type basis rather than being on a license basis. So those things feeding through together should should help us um, to get to that position where you know we can see ourselves as a a rule of 40 business, mid-single digits, 35 points CBDA margins, and a higher, a much higher recurring uh, income base for that moving forward. And then lastly on M&A, um, thanks for the three, by the way, it's always easy, easy to do them as three. <laughs> but, uh, on M&A, um, yeah, same template. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing um, quite, quite a few things happening, I, I guess. Um, you know, COVID has obviously played a part with a lot of people who own that those, you know, whether where their own and managed businesses. Um, I think COVID and the economic environment have made a number more, a number of people look to uh, whether it's right for them to carry on as, as as sole owners of those businesses or whether it's smart enough to take some cash off the table um, and, and and partner up with an organisation like ours that can expand and grow their businesses. And take them to the next level. So I think that that's helped in, in the pipeline and, and the pipeline build. Um, inevitably, there's an emotional journey for people to go through uh, when they're looking to sell their businesses as owner operators. And because we effectively source all of our own opportunities um, and we're not involved in direct bidding activity when things come to market through through other agents. Um, we're, we're sort of handling that well and handling them through that journey um, to show them the benefits of, uh, of working with IDOGs. And in that respect, you know, the work that we've done with aligned assets, um, with exegesis and, and with thinkware, and, and especially obviously the work that we did uh, prior to that with uh, Tuscomi now IDOGs Cloud, has been extremely useful in being able to reference uh, the sort of business that we are and how easy it is to come and work with us and, and achieve the goals that we set out. So, you know, we'll continue to do that work. It is um, at times frustratingly slow. Um, but on the other hand, um, as you know, as last year, when you do manage to get one deal done, they tend to come like buses and you tend to get three deals done at the same time. So we'll we'll continue to work that. But I feel there's, there's quite a lot of legroom uh, left in that M&A policy yet. Excellent, thank you. And we'll go to Kai Korschelt now. Good morning, David uh, and Anoop. It's Kai from Canaccord. Um, I also had three questions. Um, hopefully that's all right. Uh, the, the first one was around the 
I guess visibility you have on on the organic growth inflection. I think it was a low single digit decline in the first half. Um, and I'm, so I'm just kind of you know curious the trajectory in the second half. Do you expect it to return to the sort of trend mid single digits, or will that perhaps take until next year? That was the first one. Uh, the second one was around another element of the sort of current inflation environment is that um, a lot of software contracts tend to have sort of RPI kickers in them. So I'm just wondering uh, if you can perhaps shed any more light around the, you know, commercial arrangements you have um, with the public sector. So whether, you know, there would be, I guess, an indirect benefit from the current inflation environment because the, you know, maintenance support and subscription uh, revenues might tick up a bit uh, more than normal. And then the third one was just really around the sort of election revenue cycles. Um, I think you, you mentioned the election business was down slightly in the first half. Um, there are obviously multiple sort of layers, you know, in, 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 uh, in the different regions and you've been winning new contracts. I'm just wondering, you know, should that business tick up from here or um, is there perhaps a further decline in the cards? Thank you. Okay, well, on the organic growth side, um, you, look, you, you know, I, I, I guess we, when we came into this year, we could see what, what had happened in uh, the previous years in our business, and we could see what was going to happen going forward. And we knew there'd be a first half, second half um, disparity in our organic growth. Um, that, was, that was clear for, for a number of reasons. Um, so we're exactly where we thought we'd be, frankly, in terms of in terms of that. And the half on half comparison, I know every CEO will, will tell you this, but um, you know, it, it's never linear. There are always some things that happen in relative periods. But overall, as we go forward with uh, this financial year, we feel comfortable with growth numbers that we've put out into the market and we feel we've got um an order book and a pipeline that support both of those things so um we, we are expecting that as we run forward we'll have you know mid single digit growth in in our core pss business i think in eim it, it, again as i said in my presentation we, we knew there'd be a, a downtick in the first half but again we're expecting that there'll be an uplift in the second half of the year so um so hopefully that that sort of covers those things off i think the key thing for us is in terms of the momentum that's built, we feel that that's absolutely intact, and that we're you know we're focused on delivering not just in this half and the full year, but for the following year, uh, and building the requisite foundations to to allow us to do that. And we feel very comfortable from from that perspective on on the future um, expectations for the business. Uh, if I hand over to you, you can talk about the inflationary stuff in the RPI work? Yeah, um, so on the contracting side, Kai, it, it really kind of depends on the nature of the contract that we've entered into with the local authority. So typically we, we use um, frameworks that are called, referred to as DAS frameworks or G-Cloud frameworks. Um, so the opportunity to really negotiate uh, and agree uplifts with customers happen over a, a sort of a, a renewal cycle. Uh, so if you're, if you're entering into a three-year uh, recite cycle with a customer, it's when you're doing that resign is really your opportunity to have that discussion around uh, pricing for the next three year period. Um, and so, and so, and then the in-between periods, the prices tend to be locked in. So there isn't a sort of an RPI kicker that kicks through, uh, is my understanding. Um, and therefore, on the face of it, you think actually, you know, seven, eight, nine percent inflation, you can pass on to your customers on a 65, 70 million pound revenue business. 
Um, but you have to sort of unpick it and actually understand what the contracts are. So actually, you, you don't get that coming through immediately. So if you're re-signing, say, one third of your portfolio every single year, it'll take you two to three years for that sort of increase in prices to really come through to your top line. Uh, and on the elections, uh, Kai, I think um, elections business performed well in, in the first half with the election cycles, as we said, with uh, the ECAMs in Malta and the uh, assembly elections in Scotland. Um, what, what we tend to find in our election business is that um, there's a cycle of winning new name customers that follow election periods. And then there's also um, a series of activities that get um, uh, contracted by central government as they look to improve the quality of, of the engagement with the public around the elections or, or conduct some elements of elect, electoral reform. So um, I can't, can't give you any news at the moment, but we are expecting that there'll be um, some uh, news to follow around work that we've concluded and completed um, with central government for further work around our election software in the second half of the year. Um, so, you know, we're expecting that business to continue to perform well during that cycle. Um, and, you know, we see no reason to, to change at all the expectations that we've set for it over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I would just clarify, actually, elections did, um, period on period, it was up. It had a good half uh, because we had the benefit of a number of elections happening in the first half of this year. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Very helpful. And we'll go to Gareth Evans at Progressive Equity Research. Morning, guys. Um, thanks for taking the question. Very quick one. I'll, I'll restrict, my, restrict myself just to, to the one question, which also keeps it simple. Um, the margin improvement, one of the, the four pillars, clearly PSS is already at you know the target level, very strong margins coming through in that division already. Do you think that as you continue to grow, you'll be reinvesting that growth, gross margin back into the business? Or do you think it will be potentially offset or sort of diluted down by the early years margins on acquisitions that you're likely to make, presumably coming in at slightly lower margins than the existing PSS business? Thanks so, so much. I think that there's, a, there's quite a few things that affect margins. And, um, you know, I made a big fuss when I first joined the business um, to ensure that once we contracted with clients, we didn't leak margins out of the business. It's very easy uh, when you're running a, a company for margins to sort of leak away. And um, having had a little bit of experience in this sector before, I had a, a clear view of what margins ought to be acceptable for a business of our, our sort of stature, size and scale. So, you know, we've seen, as you, as you know, we, uh, we've seen a, a strong improvement in margins from around 19% up to, you know, the 30, the 30 odd percent that we're seeing today. Um, I think in, in all of our business areas, there's still more that we can do around margins. I think that comes through largely scale and having scale operations and being able to gain efficiencies and better utilisation as we, as we run forward. And we're starting to see that in our existing uh, professional services area as we um, take that capability and put it alongside the acquisitions that we've made. For sure, we, we see that happening. And I think also improving the efficiency of the way that we deliver these things. So during uh, the last few years, we've made um, a good investment into our CRM offering. Um, but more importantly, what we, we began to do is connect that much more readily and heavily with our financial systems at the back end. And we're in this year, we're putting alongside that our professional services automation. 
um, which will link um, basically everything from order through to delivery with our clients in an automatic stream. So that will allow us to gain further efficiency um, just as we go forward in terms of removing duplications, helping and supporting our teams on the ground with better information and you know creating opportunities for us to just become uh, more efficient in the way that we deliver those outcomes to clients. So, uh, and in terms of the margins, I mean, I think, you know, for, for us, it's, um, I, I think we're making good investments across the group. I don't think we're expecting any further significant investments for us in that business. So I think as we see the margins coming through, then they absolutely should all fall through to the bottom line. We'll see the, that margin improvement hitting both EVDA and cash. That's great. Thanks very much. And that's the end of questions. David, do you have any closing remarks? No, great. We really appreciate joining us. But as I say, the, the key messages from us are we're exactly where we expect it to be. We've uh, shown some good progress in the first half in difficult market conditions. But the momentum we've built in the business is something that we're seeing over the next 24 months, as opposed to any six-month period. And we think we're well-placed for future growth and continuing on the strategy that we've outlined. So thanks for your questions. Thanks for your support. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in six months' time. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.